Good tidings we bring through audio things. Welcome to the That's A Rap podcast, the show where we, me and Matty P, wrap up the latest films that we've seen. I'm Joe Downey. And I'm your co-host, Matt Parkinson. The date of recording today is the 12th of December and the time of recording is 3.13pm. For the latest updates, remember to follow our Instagram page at TAW Podcast. That is TAW Podcast. If you ever want to suggest films and topics for us to talk about, our DMs will be open over there. You can also check out our Facebook page if you type up That's A Rap Podcast or TAW Podcast and make sure to give us a like and share as it really helps out the show. When it comes to listening, we are available on all major DSPs such as Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Overcast and Apple Music. So make sure to give us a follow and download on those platforms and leave a review where available as it really helps out the show. <laughs> Nearly there. If you'd like to keep up to date with the latest films we're watching both in and outside of the podcast, you can check out our letterbox pages at Joe Film User and Clappy P. As for the opening jingles that you hear on the show, they are by Philip Buster, so please check out his music at soundcloud.com forward slash Buster underscore official. Ayo, that's probably the cleanest one I've had. <laughs> uh, I like the one, I like the little Christmas intro you did at the beginning. That was nice. Little good tidings. Didn't expect yeah. that. Yeah, it was lovely. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was trying to find, I was, try, I was struggling to find a Christmassy pun. Um... Because at the beginning I wrote, good you tidings, well. we bring, it's a podcast thing. And then it was like, no, I shouldn't, <laughs> I shouldn't be like, it's a podcast <laughs> thing. Welcome to that's a rap podcast. I've said it anyway now, but oh well. Um, how are good you doing, Matt? I'm good. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm in a goofy mood. Uh, uh, yeah. I haven't watched... We're on Skype, so th- th- We are on fun. Skype, yeah. <laughs> I haven't watched many films recently outside the ones we're going to talk about because I've been relatively busy yeah. and I know you have as well, haven't you? It's Christmas. It's, it's Christmas, so, you know, we're seeing the family and, and yeah. What, what, here's a question. So what, what, what do you go for uh, with your family in regards to Christmas, Christmas cheer, Christmas films? Christmas everything? films? Um, what do you guys go to? So usually, so for the first, I remember when I was very young, um, the sort of yearly Christmas film we'd watch would be the Polar Express. And we had mm. like a tradition of we watch that every year for I think about 10 years, it must have been from when I was like five years old to I think 15 years old, we'd watch that every year. And then we just kind of got bored of it, I think, because it's a weird film for for anyone who's seen the Polar Express out there. It's it's fun when you're a child, but I think when you watch it when you're older, you do realise how odd of a film it is. Like, visually, it's quite unsettling, and the plot is just complete nonsense. Like, it's not a bad film by any means, but it is just, you know, it's a pretty berserk film, as I'm sure you all know. But, no, recently, um, we kind of shaken it up a bit. Like, we'll sometimes... I think, so last year, we watched The Grinch, the Jim Carrey Grinch oh, yeah. Um I don't like that I have to specify that now because there's the Illumination one that came out. But yeah, we watched the the Jim Carrey live action Grinch film directed by Ron Howard. Oh, yeah. uh, the year before that, I think we watched we watched two films. I think we watched Klaus and It's a Wonderful Life, which were both. Oh yeah. Oh man, Klaus. Klaus has like so much potential to be great, but there's just like some things that knock that film back for me. It's just the, like yeah. the weird, like Ariana Grande, like pop music that's in it. Oh, well, that's for and like it... what ten seconds, I think. No man, it it, 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 it keeps okay. happening oh, in right. the film. No, I think the <laughs> but it's a yeah. good film. I think it 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 would have more more. Yeah. You know, standing the test of time. It just so. it feels like Emperor's yeah. New Groove, but just as a Christmas film, you know. 
Definitely. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, what about you? What are your go-to Christmas films for the family? Um, I'm I'm quite basic in that I love Home Alone. Nice. Home Alone is a go-to for me. Love um, it. I can't think of any others. Muppets Christmas uh, Carol. <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> What's that? Why? Because oh. it's gonna it's, it's, with this Muppets Discord discourse is just gonna keep. <laughs> it's gonna be a, a an ever untangling web. Oh, I, I, I wasn't gonna say anything. I just it's fine. No, it, basically, from what I'm gonna say to you, Matt, is that it would be a whole monster munch ordeal, and we we don't want that. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. All right. Um, all right. <laughs> also, just just a little thing on my end, uh, Matt. Um, I, I'll try and take it out in the recording. I don't know. There is a bit of a delay, so okay. I'm just letting you know. That's we'll, um, we'll try and so yeah. I'll try not to interrupt you. I'll try not to interrupt you either, as well. Um, yeah, I'll try my best. But yeah, um, as for, as for like last year, I didn't watch a lot of Christmassy films with my uh, with my mum. I watched like. Just like nice films, so we watched like The Intouchables, we watched Paddington Two. Else do we? Oh, Knives Out, which is I mean, it's just like a nice film to watch. Just, sorry, just to clarify, um, you mean Untouchable, the French film, not the yeah the it, David Mamet, the Intouchables, yeah, 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 not yeah, 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 not not Kevin Costner, not Kevin no. Costner, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that bit with the. Uh, Robert De Niro. It's very Christmas. <laughs> That's nice, though. That's a nice selection um, of films. I like that. Yeah. Um, and then before we get into the three that we have today, guys, I just want to say thank you to everyone that has listened to us this year and had us in uh, their Spotify rap, yearly wrapped. Um, it means a lot, and it was very nice to see. Um, yeah, we, we're just two dudes that chat bullshit about film and the fact that people are listening is uh, really nice. No, it's honestly really great. It's always wonderful to have uh, feedback from people um, both on social media and in person. I've had a few in-person bits of feedback which have been very positive and it's always, you know, it warms our hearts. It's, mm. it's, it's lovely. Have you, have you practised your autograph? <laughs> Yeah, I've got several uh, printouts of like uh, photos of me. One's in black and white. One's uh... <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna sign them all I, and I then will... hand them out. <laughs> I, if ladies and gentlemen, I will sign your doner kebab for you. Just make sure you got the sharpies ready. Doner kebab. <laughs> also, a little Good audio Lord. preface, people. I have a I have a tiny sausage dog underneath my desk. So if you hear hear a dog. That'll be why there's a dog there. I thought you were just going to say, <laughs> I have a tiny sausage. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, Guys, I've got a little Frank Furter. <laughs> <laughs> His name's Frank. <laughs> <laughs> oh, should we, should we start with the episode? This is on the internet forever, Matt. No, no worries. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, there is quite a... A lot of de- like it's very cutty the Wi-Fi, but it'd be fine. We'll we'll, we'll make it through. Um, so Matt, our first film today. Hello again. In in this recording, this is um so bit of a preface for everyone, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we didn't make it through the the difficulties we had previously. Um, connection's not been our friend. This is our third take, but luckily, 
it was only a bit of Tokyo Godfathers that we gotten into on the previous take, so we're good to go again. Um, before the Wi-Fi gods try and strike us down, Matt, could you give us your synopsis for Tokyo Godfathers? So, Tokyo Godfathers, the synopsis I have is that uh, three malinju- maladjusted and somewhat misanthropic homeless people, each dealing with their own specific set of demons, find an abandoned baby on the streets one day, and decide to put their differences aside to take care of this baby and try and find the best home for it uh, whilst encountering a series of escalating obstacles that sort of shadow experiences in their own life. And also it's Christmas. I didn't mention that. It takes place during (laughs) Christmas. (laughs) Also, it's Christmas. I had this long synopsis (laughs) and none of it mentioned Christmas. All right. (laughs) Um, Do you want to hear what Google has to say, Matt? Again, I guess. But, yeah, you know, what does Google have to say? Yeah. Um, Google has to say that middle-aged uh, alcoholic Gin, uh, teenage runaway Miyuki, and former drag queen Hannah are a trio of homeless people surviving as a makeshift family on the streets of Tokyo. Whilst rummaging in the trash for food on Christmas Eve, they stumble upon a band- an abandoned newborn baby in a trash bin. Um, They said trash like 16 different times, I felt like. Um, (laughs) With only a handful of clues to the baby's identity, the three misfits search... Say that 10 times fast. The three misfits search the streets of Tokyo for help in returning the baby to its parents. And it's Christmas. That's pretty good. Uh, What's your synopsis, Joe? (laughs) Christmas film! (laughs) Nice, yours is the best. All right. Uh, so Goofy yeah, mood, this, everyone. This was uh, my choice for the for the podcast. Mm. We we did we got three films as usual, and this one was the one yeah. I chose for the episode. And why did you choose it? Well, so it was inter- So for this podcast, I usually try and choose films that are kind of underrated and overlooked, not too obvious films. And I found mm. that's quite hard to do with Christmas films because right. a lot of the best ones are kind of the most talked about ones. So like Home Alone. It's yeah. a Wonderful Life, Die Hard, if you like, whatever. And then a lot of the yeah. ones that are less talked about, I have a feeling would be like Hallmark films. So right. like, it was about finding a balance of choosing a film that would actually be worth watching and be good, but also right. isn't yeah. obvious. So it was kind of slim pickings. And I did a Google search <laughs> of films and I found this one. And I thought, okay, I have heard of it. It's you know directed by Satoshi Kone, who's a very talented filmmaker. And I've seen his other mm. films. And I don't feel like it's a very widely talked about film. So I thought it'd be a good choice for the Christmas episode Mm. of the podcast. Why why do you reckon it's uh, overlooked? Um, I'm not sure, really. So this is, um, I don't know, maybe it gets overshadowed by Satoshi Kon's other films. So this is the third film of his I've seen. Uh, The first two being Perfect Blue and Paprika, which are much more kind of... Mm. Uh, visually out there and surreal films that have left much more of an impact on audiences, I think. Like Perfect Blue for its kind of harrowing, mysterious storytelling, almost like Mulholland Drive or something. And Paprika for its kind of mind-bending visuals. Whereas this one is a much more grounded story. Yeah. Yeah. There's no real surrealism in it, no magical, so to speak, elements. Yeah, yeah. You know what I I mean. I guess there's like a... well, I know I struggle with this term previously, but would you say it falls into like magical realism at times? Mm, no. 
No. Okay, that's hence why I struggle <laughs> like, with I, it. I know what you... There we are. So, because magical realism, I think, I might get this wrong, but it's when fantasy elements are introduced into what would other but otherwise be a real world setting. I think that's right. There's probably someone... That happens in this film. Um, to an extent, I guess. There, there are like these, like you said previously in the other recording we did, um, there are coincidences, I think, that are kind of... Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Yeah. That are, they, they don't know that we, we, we've done that, <laughs> by the way. So we, we just have to act as if we've yeah. talked about it for the first there are time. Kind of, I guess you could argue, yeah, there are sort of otherworldly elements in this film that you're yeah. kind of separate from real life. You'd think, oh, that wouldn't happen. That's such an amazing coincidence, which we'll we'll get into sure. in a minute, I guess. Um, sure, sure. But yeah, overall sort of blanket statement about this film. I really liked mm. it. I thought it was really great. Um, I enjoyed mm. it. So I think, so as I'm, I'm going to keep calling back to the previous recording we did. I'm going to... Don't, don't, because they, yeah, they won't I, I should stop it, yeah. But um, <laughs> as we've talked about... Um, one of the things I for the first time in this recording. Yes, one of the things I didn't expect from this film was uh, yeah. how dark it was. It was a lot darker mm. than I was expecting. I don't know why that is because Satoshi Kon's other films are quite dark, but I don't know yeah, from the poster yeah. of this one and the fact that it was a Christmas film. I expected it to be a lot lighter, but um, uh, so you gave in your synopsis from Google, you said that there are three characters that we follow. We have a failed drag queen, Hannah. A sort of alcoholic, down on his luck, Gin or Jin, and a yeah, teenage yeah. runaway Miyuki. I think, I think it's Gin. I, yeah, I think you're I just, right. It didn't, didn't feel right saying alcoholic Jin. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and you have Miyuki, who's a teenage runaway, and you you get from the get go that all of these three characters are quite sort of, as I mentioned, misanthropic people. Like you don't yeah. warm to them straight away. You have to, you know, you have to take your time right. with them because they are very standoffish to begin with they're very unlikable very maladjusted broken people and you know the whole film is about them coming together to look after this child and for different reasons so yeah i I didn't expect it to be as dark as it was so it took me a little bit longer than i thought to properly get into it and um one of the other things which i spoke to you about was that i didn't expect from this film was its kind of very chaotic sense of plotting because um as the three the story follows these three characters who are looking after this child and as they're doing that they encounter a series of different things happening basically that affect yeah. them so like oh there's something happening over here then there's something happening over here i won't reveal too much cuz spoilers but and right. you know several things happen to them that seem very unlikely like they encounter people who they haven't seen in years they get caught up with criminal activity, they're on the run, blah, blah, blah. There are characters who are one way, but then we find out they're another way. And it was all very kind of, I don't know, it seemed very all over the place to begin with. But then after about the first maybe 20 minutes, half an hour, I really started to get into it. I was really excited by this film's kind of eclectic, sort of sporadic sense of plotting. I don't know. What what did you think about that? So... Before getting into that, going off what you said about um, the film being quite dark, considering it's a Christmas film, I think it is still a dark film, but compared to what I have seen of Satoshi Kon, I I mean, I've only seen Perfect Blue, but I know what Paprika is like. But Perfect Blue, I had to go for a long walk afterwards. This this one's still... It's not harrowing like Perfect Blue. It just it's just has a harsh environment and uh, the characters are misfits. So 
they won't be sweet all the time, but the film it, in and of itself is quite a bittersweet film, I, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's just showing yeah. a lot of the harsh realities of homelessness. Yeah, and it is very harsh, the way the film portrays it. Like, you get, I think, through the characters and the story and the visuals, like, the way the film's animated mm. in this, I've described it before, as a very sort of hazy-looking film. No, 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 you, you, you're describing it for oh, the first time. Oh, for the first time, time yeah. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm describe. Uh, yeah. It's a very kind of hazy looking film. Like all, there's a lot of muted colors in it compared yeah. to his other works. Uh, everyone looks kind of groggy and cold and tired, right. and everything around them looks cold and hazy. Um, like a lot of muted greens. A lot right? of muted greens. Kind of um, like I, I think I said before. It's kind of like it reminded me of Inside Lewin Davis. Uh, in its cinematography, because right. it's all very hazy um, and really gives off a sense of coldness and uh, a sense of hopelessness, I think, because you you are sort mm. of thinking, bloody hell, these characters are going through a lot right yeah. now. And a lot yeah. of that is due to the really great animation in this film. Right. So then going on to what you were saying about the plot and the sporadic uh, nature of it, I think it... It's straightforward plot-wise in that it's essentially a road trip film. Um, and there, there are sporadic elements in it, but in the way that road trip films have you meet character XYZ, how that's going to affect our main characters, and then, you know, the different other stops that they take. And uh, Satoshi Kon uh, uh, did this film to explore themes of coincidence, and I think used a Christmas film for that like as a vehicle. Yeah. Um, and I found a quote saying that this film is an attempt to restore in a healthy way the miracles and coincidences that have been pushed into the other world by the weapons of scientific logic. So a lot of the times in this film where it's like, what the fuck's just happened now? Of, co what, of course they've done. <laughs> like, what, what, of course, you know, you just bump into the Yakuza. Like, that, that, like <laughs> being sarcastic, but, you know... Um, I think yeah, it being a Christmas movie is, is like it has it's like a, a good vehicle for that basically. Mm. Um, but then there there are also other times where we don't jokingly be like, oh, of course that happens in that. So for instance, they'd show like an angel, and then it just turns out to be a drag queen dressed as an angel. So it still has that real world element to it. Yeah. Um, but it yeah it it's like. I mean, the only other real road trip film I can think of at the moment is is this is the straight story. But I think, I think I usually I'm not the biggest fan of those types of films because I mean we've joked about it before is that it's the type of film of the real friends we made are the ones we made on the way. Whereas this one's actually, I think, doesn't fall into that cliche because it goes out of its way to show you that they've they've still got harsh realities to deal with whilst on this road trip. It's not yeah. so like. On the road again, like it's just like I agree. It, yeah, it, it never yeah. it never feels <laughs> sentimental in that sense. It always right. does feel like the characters are actually up against a real tangible threat, and that it's not going to yeah. be like oh everything's fine in the end. Because even the ending of this film, not to spoil mm. too much, but it is like you know the the characters are at the their wits end basically by the end of right. the film, uh, all to look after this this poor baby, and yeah. it is just kind of like I was on the edge of my proverbial seat by the end by the end of this film i mean i was lying down not sitting down so edge of my seat edge of my bed fall off that bed 
Um, um, no, this was really yeah. gripping, I think, especially near the end. And um, just to go into mm. the characters a little bit more. Um, sure. So um, the three characters, as we said, uh, so one of the most interesting character I thought was uh, Hannah, the failed drag queen. Mm. And mm. I think you agree, don't you? That was also your Yeah, yeah no, definitely. Yeah, yeah. 100%. And, she, she's the most likable as well. Yeah, I think there's there's a really interesting dynamic that's explored with her character in the sense that so when the three of them find this baby, uh, she, as a failed drag queen, wants to kind of embrace and affirm her womanhood by looking after this child, but right. also has that lingering feeling of, no, this baby needs to go back to its rightful home. Yeah. So it's an interesting, it's a really great... I, I think also because yeah. she was struggling with... She's, she'd had abandonment issues with her parents previously mm. and how that kind of lent itself to where where she was at in that, uh, I say now, but, you know, within the film. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so... How, what do you think of basically the other character's attitude towards the Hannah character? Because, I, like, um, I will say to people, like, if you don't want to hear a bunch of slurs... Um, don't watch this film because there will be a lot but yeah what do you have what do you think of how the characters treated in relation to gin because they're friends yet still these slurs get dropped left left and right like yeah i mean i was i was a bit concerned to begin with with the film because like it ties into what i said earlier about how this film was a lot darker and more misanthropic than mm. i expected it to be and that was partly because of how gin reacts to hannah as a character constantly using slurs constantly putting her down it's very kind mm. of like you know you're kind of standoffish towards him to begin with but honestly i think you made a point of how that's you know that is how a character like him would react in real life, right. in reality, right. it's convincing yeah. in that sense. Like someone so, you know, down on his luck, worn down, doesn't care about what other people think about him. That's how he would react to a character mm. like that. And also, you know, it feels, it doesn't feel overly cheesy in a way. Like right. they're, they're trying to shove a moral down your throat with how he treats her. Right. It just does feel like two people hanging out who eventually come to respect each other for better or for worse who end up together and it does i think that sense of realism for it sort of keeps it from one becoming sentimental and two becoming overly offensive because it's not trying to sure it does it's not yeah the film doesn't have a negative agenda yeah 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 exactly that's exactly what i was about to say it doesn't it's not against hannah um also, slight little preface. I don't know if it'll make a difference in the final recording, but um, my I've got ducks and they won't stop quacking. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I can't hear I, them. At the beginning of the recording, I had a sausage dog, but now now I've got ducks. Um, they're just being really loud. <laughs> anyway, going off of what you said about um, <laughs> Hannah, and <laughs> I'm so sorry. This is a cursed recording. Um, going off of what you said uh, about Hannah, and I, I don't really know how to make this point because I haven't fully made, like, fully got an opinion on it but it's just something that's came to light recently so there's i haven't seen the film but there's been some discourse about uh licorice pizza in that uh the the paul thomas anderson film in that uh the uh alana himes character or alana alana himes character is essentially quite predatory towards cooper hoffman's character 
And basically, a lot of the discourse online was that um, a lot of people thought that film was condoning it, and people's response to that was like, "It's by showing uh, a trick like something like that in the film, it's not necessarily condoning the actions. It's just like that's what what happens." And with it, it, in the seventies, at least, um, and with uh, uh, Tokyo Godfathers, it seems like it's not condoning the homophobia and transphobia that happens to Hannah but it it is just showing what would happen in that environment and from a character like like Gin yeah um what do you think of that whole like a f- like uh how do I phrase this films and morality let's go from there that sounds yeah, like an I, essay mean, title, I, I can't but... <laughs> speak on licorice pizza at all because I haven't no but just yeah. like uh that type of discourse, basically. Yeah, I think it works. It works. It depends on the tone of your film, I guess, and it's going to vary from film sure. to film. But in terms of Tokyo Godfathers, I think it worked very well because it adds to the the harshness of the environment that the characters are feeling, and it makes you feel a lot more sorry for for Hannah for one thing, and then later mm. on, I guess for for Gin because it starts off as you you don't really like Gin to begin with because he's saying mm. these horrible things, but then you realize that you kind of just take pity on him a little bit, I think, because he is kind of a pathetic character. Right. And, you know, and it's also nice just to see how, like, because Hannah as a character takes these blows quite strongly, I think, the, Mm. you know, all the insults that Gin throws on her, she she kind of shrugs them off in a way, which I found kind of, and it shows that that film has a kind of mature sense of itself. Right, yeah. 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 And also, like, what this film came out, what, in 2006, right? Yeah. Or 2000... 2004, 2006? 2000s. Early 2000s. Yeah. Um, if, I mean, The Hangover came out not too long ago and was still, <laughs> d- 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 like, was aged really badly in terms of attitudes, right? So if you sure. look at this film from, like, quite a while back, it's still really, uh, uh, not sentimental. It, 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 it's supportive and encouraging of a character. Like it's Hannah, it's very I think, mature, I, like, I think, and progressive yeah. for its yeah. time in terms of That's that. That's the word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, a character I feel like wasn't entirely fleshed out, although there are some bows that get wrapped up towards the end, was Miyuki's character. But I feel like that's probably because uh, Hannah and Gin are a lot more interesting and more prominent. Yeah, from the, out of the three, I found Miyuki to be probably the least interesting, the least watchable. But I think, mm. I had this in my notes, I really liked how all three characters, how their backstories and their personalities tied into them looking after this baby. Because, right. like I already mentioned with Hannah, how it ties into her sort of conflicting sense of womanhood and responsibility. Um, with Gin, you know, it's also an abandonment thing. And him, True. you know, having to be less selfish and actually look after this child. And with Miyuki, it's her tackling with her abandonment issues because she was a very mentally unstable right. child. She ran away from home. And now it's kind right. of that situation has flipped on her. Now she has to look after a baby. So it's kind of you have that sense of, uh, am I, yeah. I going to use this right? I guess dramatic, dramatic irony. I don't know if I'm using that right. But that sense of like thematic tying in with her struggle right. to her new situation. Yeah. I just found that very satisfying to watch how all three of the characters 
had mm. some kind of internal struggle that tied into them looking after the baby and how that was progressed through them looking right. after this child. I found that very good. Yeah. Um, so one thing I found quite interesting was there was an interview, uh, someone was interviewing Satoshi Khan and the interviewer was quite uh, taken aback in that if this film was live action, it would be really hard to market a film with three homeless people like <laughs> running around with a baby and that he feels like it being an animation really or just animation in general really challenges any mark marketing issues that you may have um i just thought that was quite an interesting thing because yeah i i, I don't know like i'm sure it could still be a live action film but uh, yeah it being also it's an adult film really like that is like there is another film, isn't there, called Three Men and a Baby, which is about three oh, cr yeah. criminals that look after a baby, I think. And that's kind of... Oh, okay. I, I've seen bits of it, I think. Um, what is it called that? Yeah. Um, it's about these three guys looking after a baby, and that's kind of... It was marketed as, like, a light-hearted comedy, so that's not really... Right. A, so I guess that's... You could compare it this to This one that. isn't too light-hearted. No, it's not. Basically, what what I'm trying to get at is how, like... Uh, animation in particular, uh, anime can like uh, challenge marketability. Yeah. And how this film has. Um, yeah. W yeah, what do you think? Yeah, no, it's it's not something I'd considered, to be honest. Um, but I think you might be onto something there, kiddo. I, I didn't make the point. <laughs> it, wouldn't, it wouldn't me. It was um, the interviewer who I can't Yeah, sure, I guess, because if it's animated, you can kind of there's that sort of layer of removal isn't there it kind of makes it less right. shocking to deal with and you can kind of you know watch it especially with certain scenes i feel yeah, like yeah you can watch it at a comfortable distance oh yeah cuz this film is quite yeah. graphic we haven't mentioned that yet yeah. but there are scenes like i've said this before the characters really do struggle as the film progresses and the struggles mm. get yeah. worse and worse and often those struggles aren't just psychological but they are manifested as physical pain and yeah, you know, yeah. being beaten up and being yeah partially mutilated. It's just yeah. I, th I think if 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 anyone wants to get into Satoshi Kon's work but is feeling a bit apprehensive given like just the reputation of them, I think this one is probably a good like uh, what's the word like if if you want to you know like a gateway. dip your pinky into the pool. Yeah, a gateway. That's it. <laughs> this is why he's the co-host. People, he, he's, yeah. he's better than me. He's got the words. <laughs> Get that on a poster. I've got a dictionary got in front of me. I've got, a, I've got the thesaurus. The thesaurus. The thesaurus. The thesaurus. The papyrus. The dinosaur. Um, yeah, this is... If you want to get into his work and you're not sure how you're feeling about, you know, its edginess, try yeah. to uh, Tokyo Godfathers first because it's his most whimsical from what I've seen, but it still has those very like harsh elements within the film. Yeah. Um, some little tidbits that I found. Uh, so the, one of the animation directors on this film named uh, Kenichi Konishi um, worked on My Neighbours the Amateurs at Studio, oh. uh, Studio Ghibli. Nice. Um, I didn't know that. This is, this is a better film than that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, just one other thing. Uh, Turu Emori, who plays Gin, said that he thought the film's, uh, film reminded him of uh, Rembrandt paintings. Oh, okay. Yeah, which um, 
I don't know if I can see, but in general, it's a very just really good looking film. Like like Matt said, it's very it's a lot of muted greens, um, and just a lot of interesting stuff they do with with panels. Um, yeah. Uh, how how would you say this ranks or compares to the other tragic comedies that we've watched? What are the other tragic com- I can think. What are the other tragic comedies? The, apa- that we've the apartment. The apartment and the kid detective are the ones that spring to mind. Oh, good personally. lord! Um, I'm not a fan of ranking films. The apartment's but... also a, a Christmas film. May I add? I mean, the apartment is like one of my top three favorite films of all time. So I right. don't know how I can compare it, but like, it's it's very good in its own right. It's it's a very good film. Okay. It's great. I'll, um, I'll re I'll do a re, I'll I'll do a rephrase remix. <laughs> How how did you find this as a tragic comedy? I love, how, uh, how was that experience? For I you? thought it was great. <laughs> um, no, I, but tragically, I think it's I think it's really because not only is it a very dark film, but it also does have a really good sense of levity about it, and that comes right. through the character interactions and how they na- they interact very naturally with each other, and there is a sort of lighthearted undertone of it. Because I wouldn't have liked this film if it was just all moody. Because I don't yeah, I don't like yeah. films that are melodramatic. I you know, characters have to smile sometimes. And some yeah. there are some films that don't realise that, some TV shows that don't realise that. And it's refreshing yeah. to see a film that amongst its, you know, dark, harrowing characters and stories can have a few smiles as well. And I think this film hit a very good balance of those two things. A film you wouldn't smile through is our next film of the day, which is <laughs> Black Christmas. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Game. You didn't. You took me by surprise, you, you boy. But, but, but I was going to swear, um, but I, don't I guess what, one one little thing to wrap up uh, the Tokyo Godfathers is that it's currently on currently on Netflix, isn't it? Right. Yes, uh, it is. It's currently streaming on Netflix. Yeah. yeah. So check it out there. But yeah, Black Christmas. Have you have you got a have you got a synopsis for this? I do. Um, a group of sorority girls are stalked by a serial killer and slowly picked off one by one. The authorities try to intervene, but are always just out of reach. Oh, that's very poetic. Do you want to hear Google? Go on. Can you imagine if you said no? <laughs> end of, no, Jay. End of episode. <laughs> Go on. The episode let's hear never it. comes out. Right. Let's, let's hear it. As winter break begins. A group of sorority sisters, including Jess, played by Olivia Hussey, and the often inebriated Barb, played by Margot Margot Kidder. Margot Kidder. Margot Kidder. Yeah. Uh, begin to receive anonymous. Oh my god! I, can't, I don't even know how to pronounce this word. Lascivious. Nope. Creepy. We'll change it to that. Creepy phone calls. Check Google for whatever word the schlivish is. Google. <laughs> Begin to receive anonymous creepy phone calls. Initially, yeah. Barb eggs the killer on, but stops when he responds threateningly. Soon, Barb's friend Claire, played by Lynn Griffin, goes missing from the sorority house, and a local adolescent girl is murdered, leading the girls to suspect a serial killer is on the loose. But no one realizes just how near the culprit is. Uh, man, it's just long. <laughs> Mine was way better. It was. Just saying. Get a golden star. Um, this this is probably our most anecdotal film. 
I chose it because I thought it was just... I'd, I'd heard that it was a cool Christmas horror film. But sp- speaking of experiences, Matt, could you tell us your original experience of trying to watch this film? Yeah, I was just going to ask you if you wanted me to, to tell you. And Do it. Yeah, well... So it's, it. No, basically, so we were deciding on the films to... Set the scene. Christmas story I'm, time. I'm in, my, Do it. I'm in my bed, scrolling through my phone. I get a message from Joe yeah. Downey saying, Hello! And, um, <laughs> and no, we, we're just talking about uh, which films to watch and review for this podcast episode, mm. the Christmas episode. And you yeah. said Black Christmas as one. This was a film I'd never heard mm. of before at all. And you sent a little letterboxed link, I think, to me of Christmas films, mm. like overlooked Christmas films. And this was on it. This was on the list. And I don't think I looked at the list properly because I, I must have scrolled past it because I just... I guess you overlooked it. I, <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, so I just Googled the film Black Christmas and the first mm. one that came up was actually a remake of the film we're about to talk about, which is, it's also called Black Christmas, came out in 2019, uh, follows a mm. similar-ish story. I'm not going to go fully into it, but point is, it's a bad film. Right. It's not very good at all. Um so I watched that in the evening and I thought, oh, this is really bad. Why has Joe chosen this? I'd hate to break it to him. And then after I finished it, I looked back at the message you sent me with the letterbox link and I realized, oh, no, I'm an idiot. I've watched the remake of the film Joe wanted me to watch. So I wanted to watch all these films very quickly because I have very little free time nowadays. But So around six in the morning, the next morning... <laughs> I watched the original Black Christmas that you originally wanted me to watch. And I wanted to do it quickly because I didn't want you to notice that I'd watched the wrong film and be like, tut tut, Matt, tut tut. Because I was really embarrassed by it. So I watched oh, no. I watched them both in very quick succession with one another. That's the story. That's it. <laughs> very nice. Golden styles. Um, for, for another preface is that the 2019 one is at 39% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes. Uh, people don't like it. It's not, it's not good. It's not good. And this one is, this one's a 71, 71%. But what's quite interesting is, you know, I don't think this one's too great either. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, like, briefly, how would you say the two compare? I think the first one is, tr- sorry, the remake seems to be trying to do more and fails more the tw- the 2019 the 2019 one, right? one. There's a 20, two, yeah yeah the 2019 one i think is trying to do more and also fails to do more cuz the mm-hmm. first one as we're going right. to talk about is just basically a 70s horror b movie there's nothing especially deep about it from what i could see it was just kind right. of there's a killer characters are dying mm. ooh whereas the re- christmas christmas <laughs> Whereas the remake also has that general kind of synopsis, but is also trying to deal with themes of, um, like, victim-blaming and feminism and that kind of thing, and, like, gaslighting, right. and it does it quite... Right. It's tr- I think I mentioned this to you ages ago, before the recording, so this is... I can mention mm. <laughs> Um yeah. It's kind of like life doesn't start until we record. It, it seems <laughs> it, try, it seems to be trying to do something like the Invisible Man or like Get Out in that right. it's trying to tie in a real world systemic issue into a horror narrative. Mm. But unlike with Get Out and the Invisible Man, it does it really badly. 
because one right. the remake the remake just isn't scary at all it's right. not it's it's shot like a hallmark film and uh the jump scares are just really bad it's not well edited um and also from a story level like that just deals with its themes really or was it yeah i had a really okay. quick turnaround <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't know that. But yeah, it looks like it. Cause, and yeah, the, it deals with its themes badly because the characters are just caricatures and there's a twist ending that just feels really out of the blue and doesn't fit with the rest of the film, in my opinion, and doesn't really ever say anything that substantial. It's bad, don't watch it. But the original right. is fine, I guess. I could... Uh, like, I, I didn't enjoy the original that much, to be honest. Mm, I, I was yeah. a little bit bored by it, but I feel like I kind of... That's how I react to a lot of old 70s horror films because I just don't find them that scary, one thing. Right. And also, yeah. like, it, there's there's never really anything else to latch onto with those sort of, with those sort of films right. if you're not scared. Because I, I didn't find yeah. the characters in it that interesting, like the drunk character you mentioned. Uh, what's, her, what's her name? <laughs> okay. Barb, I think? I, I, uh, no, that's... Uh, the, that's just another drunk character. No, the, uh, Barb oh. is um, Margot Kidder, who plays Lois Lane in Superman. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. No, but yeah, yeah the, 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 old, the, the old lady that runs the sorority. So, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I thought going into this, that like, this would be a cool Christmas horror. There's not a, a lot of them. The only others I can think of really are Krampus and Rare Exports. And even them, they kind of struggle a bit with doing the two yeah. a christmas film and a horror film and i thought this would be really cool it looks really cool the poster looks cool 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 but no it was just very boring and yeah. i found myself having other tasks pop up it, it whilst watching it and i didn't care that i had to go do them <laughs> and yeah. pause the film and come back to it <laughs> um what, what one thing that sticks out for me with this, so this came out in 1974, I believe. Yeah. Um, it feels like I'm watching a, a bootleg or like a film that was never meant to be released. <laughs> that like that it bad? looks like it. W- well, like it just, I, in a way, it's a positive in that it looks very grungy in that, but like it just looks like I'm not meant to be seeing it. Okay. I don't know if I'm being too harsh on it, but like, it didn't look I, I, like it was going to come out. Fair enough. I, I don't think I'd. Got it that bad to that extent when watching it, um, but that's interesting though that you, that you found that in the way that it looks. Yeah, sure, I mean, sure. Yeah, but no, I just I think um, the reason I found this boring is that unlike say with something like Tokyo Godfathers, where every character is very distinct and has a very right. clear story backstory set of character traits, I found the characters in this film to be indistinguishable from one another because mm-hmm. it's one of those again. It's a horror. This is barely a spoiler, but it's one of those where it's like. A bunch of characters are stalked by a, a threat and they're yeah, slowly picked off. picked off one by one. And I kind of lost track of who was getting picked off. Yeah. Like, who's dead? Yeah. Who's alive? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah. I really didn't care about the final girl in this. And you're meant to. Yeah, I can't remember who it was. Like, <laughs> well, I guess, I, I, not that I didn't care. Like, obviously it's bad that this stuff's happening to her. I just think the performance was really bad and bland. Yeah. So I just... Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of some pop props I can give this film. I think, so the one <laughs> thing I liked about it was the kind of, uh, you mentioned this in the Google synopsis and I mentioned this as well, is that everyone is looking for this killer 
and they it's only it's right, right under their nose isn't it because the killer mm. is i keep getting emails on my ipad i'm so sorry about this <laughs> too popular man um it's not <laughs> um it's the filmmakers so they're angry <laughs> yeah what'd you say about black christmas uh no uh what was i gonna say uh, yeah, I like... Killer under the nose. I like the kind of irony about it that everyone's looking far and wide for this killer, even though he is, you know, he's in this house, isn't he, for pretty yeah, much the whole yeah. runtime, and it's kind of like, ah, mm. he's right there, guys, just check in the room, yeah. you don't need to make all these phone calls. I found that quite... That's quite good, I think. On paper, that's yeah. quite a good little plot element. Yeah. It's just nothing else was interesting. <laughs> it, it, like... It is a cool ki- uh, killer, and I can't stop saying cool now. I feel like a five-year-old. <laughs> um, it is a, an interesting killer in that uh, it, he he has, like, multiple voices and you never really see him. Um, I found out that... Well, one thing I did like uh, was the POV shots in this film, and I found out that the POV shots are a major influence on Halloween. I was going to... Um, yeah, it reminded me of Halloween a lot. Yeah. 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 Um, but the, the, the way those two films differ is that you care about the characters in Halloween. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, also, like, the use of comedy in this film is an odd one because you need it for levity, but then it just, it just, just, um, it just goes on and on and on. Like, the bit with the phone trackers sucking at tracking the phones happened, like, so many times. Oh, the, just, the f- we're like, yeah. And it's just like, oh, we get it. And it didn't build tension. And also the police officers suck in this film. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're just, everyone's bad at their job. And I get that that's, that's a kind of a good joke, but it just, it kind of was overbearing. It's c- One thing I did like was the carol scene in that it's a uh, Christmas carolers outside their house and, and it's intercut with a murder that happens it's very it's shot in a cool way <laughs> but it but yeah it's yeah going back to what you said about the police it's it's like that in the remake as well where there's this one oh, yeah kind of i in a way because there's this one police officer who the main character is trying to convince oh there's a killer stalking me look at my text and the police officer mm. just kind of isn't having it i don't know if he's incompetent per se in the film but it's this trope again that you see not right. not just in horror films, but like you know, in a lot of sorts of films where you know the main yeah. character is struggling, but no one believes them. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that use of tension. Yeah. Um, I found out it's the director of A Christmas Story, which I mean I haven't seen, but it's a it's that it shows some range in that you know one's quite a classic Christmas film that's very quotable, and the others grungy horror film but i haven't seen a christmas story either <laughs> i wouldn't mind watching it do you, do you know the one i'm talking about where it's like only i didn't say fudge i know i know the film i know of it i just yeah, have, yeah. i've never seen it <laughs> yeah but you know there's it shows some range from the director bob clark uh the uh composer who i didn't write the name down for i should have i think it's carl zitterer zitter um it's too late to check now composer guy um, he, so it was, he said that, he, that one of the main things for the score was, um, he used a radiator and was like dragging things across a radiator. Um, you could tell, um, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, I don't know how amazed I am by that. I sound really I harsh, that but sta- fuck it. That just, I love how that started as like a really cool compliment and then it just derailed into, no, 
It sucked. It's just, I mean, I, I literally was watching the film like, that's yeah. a radiator, isn't it? And then I found out on Wikipedia. <laughs> I just love I'm that. sorry. No, it's just great as how it's like, oh, this film was shot in three months. Yeah, and it shows. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, no, the 2019 I know, I know, one was I know like, what you mean. Yeah. It's just the same sort oh. of insult. Yeah. Yeah. There, this that's is, funny. This film's been remade a couple of times because it was remade in 2006 as well. Um, to and to not too much like to not the best of effects. To, oh, I can't get my words out today. But like it basically that one tries to do what uh, supposedly what Rob Zombie tried to do do with Halloween, which was um, give more like origin to the killer and everything like that. Right. Um, that's something I will give a prop to with this film is that you just don't know who it is and it's very mm. vague. Because um, that and creepy yeah. that way. This film's more it, creepy than it is scary. I'll say that because <laughs> that's that's what yeah. ruined horror films. Like say it chapter two for me is that they gave mm. Pennywise lore, and it's like no, if you yeah. make it, it's like the first one was scary because we don't know who he is, where he's from. Whereas in the second one, it's like oh, he's Galactus, the eater of planets, and it's like that's not scary. I, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to find out that Bruce the Shark used to be an accountant. Right on it, <laughs> Bruce the Shark. <laughs> It's like Prometheus as well, I guess, isn't it? They're giving backstories yeah. to the aliens, and it's like you don't need yeah. it. It's Alien was a... just never give your killers law. The vaguer, the better. Yeah. That's why Michael Myers yeah. was so like in the original was so good because he was literally just called the shape yeah. in the script. They barely had anything planned for him, and it's the it's the unknowing. Yeah, and it's like Alien as well. Alien is, I would yeah. dare to say, a perfect film, and you know yeah. you don't need a religious allegory prequel. To flesh it out yeah. because it's fine. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, should that's people it. see Black Christmas? Did people see it? No, should. Oh, should. Um, you know what? Go for it. If <laughs> if you like, get that on the poster. If you like seventies horror B movies that are, I guess, competently made and provide a bit of scariness, then you'll like this film. I don't think it's necessarily a bad film. I think it's, you know, it does what it does. It does what it needs to do for that kind of genre, in a way. Mm. Um, I, go, I don't go. know if I just had a bad time with it or not. Maybe I'll like it in an, in another time where I'm not doing it for a podcast, but I just... I don't think I, I just, will. I wasn't... Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not running back to see it. I just, yeah. No, neither I feel am I. bad that I wanted. I wanted to watch a cool horror film, Christmas film. It just yeah. didn't happen. And everyone loves this film. It's like quite it held in high regard, but it just didn't didn't click for me. Neither. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, Bob Clark. Um, yeah, <laughs> the composer. Um, yeah, uh, I guess you could say there's like a proper gremlin in. <laughs> Nope, I was not even... no. I was waiting. I thought you had one prepared. <laughs> I, I couldn't do it. I no, because like, there's a gremlin in in the review system. Because I was gonna try and do a segue, but I thought no. Joe probably has one prepared that he did before the episode. Um, no. I was wrong. <laughs> it's kind of like um, a gremlin. <laughs> it's kind of like gremlin. Um, what what? Fuck me. What, what have you got, Matt? What have you got? So for Gremlins, our next film, yes. Mm, yes. My synopsis for that is Gremlins do stuff. 
He's, he's not wrong, ladies and you, gentlemen. Who says we can't um, have fun with the synopsis game? Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this has been our most professional episode. Uh, Billy's father gets him a pet from China with three very specific instructions. However, when Billy does not follow him, it unleashes an, a horde of monsters. My my AirPods, they have these weird, like, uh, noise-canceling things where it kind of, like, the air, like, sucks the air out. And it did that mid-thing, and it, like, really oh. fucked me up. Ew. I guess there was gremlins in my... Like, the, it, it does this thing where it makes... It cancels the sound around you. Uh, yeah, anyway, I know it, what you mean. Yeah. It, it fucked me up. Um, it's funny you say that with your synopsis, because my first note was just gremlins being little shits. <laughs> that was your review, wasn't it, on Letterboxd, I think, yeah. Oh, that, yeah, that too. Okay. Um, yeah, this is, so this is directed by Joe Dante, produced or presented by Steven Spielberg, who at the time had a great run of just, like, producing and presenting films, like, you know, Back to the Future. I mean, he secretly did Poltergeist, but Poltergeist, you know. Yeah. He was on a good run here. Goonies, you know. His name was enough to sell these films. Yes. Um, I don't know what Joe Dante did previously for this. I, I'm sorry, I, I looked Dante. him up. He directed The Burbs, but I think that was after Gremlins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I know he did Small Soldiers, but I don't know what where he was at fame-wise okay. before Gremlins. I see. Um, um, neither do I. But yeah, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give a little story for, for Gremlins. Uh, it's, not, it's not about me, but it's about people in my life. So my eldest brother, James... When he was a young kid, um, my mum had to work at home and she wanted to distract James for a bit while she could do her work. So they go into the video store and my mum's like, asks the video store clerk like, oh, what's a good kids film for my son to watch, you know, for a couple hours? And he's like, oh yeah, Gremlins, it's gonna be great. She pops on Gremlins for, for James. She goes off to do, do, to do some work. Comes back in like half an hour, an hour or something, and just sees, you know, pale as a ghost, my my brother just shocked by this film. Yeah, um, it's not for kids at all. Basically, is what I'm trying to say. It's yeah. a fifteen. Um, <laughs> so this was and, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that's that's and yeah. Basically, it yeah. just scarred him. So my mum had to be like, you know, that's that's why they should have gone to bed early. The grand like she had to like. <laughs> find good positive oh messages. my god that's a, that's a very good story i love that yeah, i've been told it my entire life uh but that so i was yeah. prepared for gremlins when i first watched it yeah, you i knew it was gonna go sideways you're touching upon the note the first note that i have for this film which was i've just written down i'm not sure who it's for this film right. when watching it right. because as you said it feels like it is marketed towards children even though it's a 15 like, there's a lot mm. about... So, the first half hour of this film, or first 20 minutes, there is kind of a plot. You know, my synopsis was very kind of tongue-in-cheek. But there is... Mm. The story is very simple to begin with. It, You know, it's very... The characters are very simple. I feel like very kind of over-the-top. There's this very mean old lady who's like this Ebenezer Scrooge-type woman. Yeah, It feels very much aimed... At, she feels like, you know, Michael Caine in Muppets Christmas Carol or something. It's very much yeah. aimed at kids. The music is very sort of jaunty and cheesy. Mm. Uh, music mm. by Jerry Goldsmith, by the way. Um, oh, big up. Big up. Such a good score. And yeah, no, for that period, uh, I thought, okay, this is clearly aimed at very, very young children. 
And then it, the film also introduces some darker themes later on. Like there's a character that ma- uh, mentions uh, how homeless people are slashing their wrists at Christmas because they don't have a place to go. And, you know, Christmas is about hope. And then I thought, okay, maybe this yeah. is aimed more at older people, more at adults. Mm. And mm. I, I just, I wasn't sure who it was aimed at. And it made me think maybe kids' films from the <laughs> 80s were sort of, they had fewer yeah. restraints. Yeah. Mm. Also, I will say, Phoebe Cates' monologue about Father Christmas is one of the most dark things. It's really I've dark, heard yeah. In quite a while. It's very dark. It's yeah. so dark. It, we, As a kid, I was like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we won't go into it in full, but it's like, it yeah, ties no, into her, yeah. her family trauma. And it's, it's in the third. Why she doesn't, yeah. yeah it's in the why third. Why she doesn't celebrate Christmas. It's in the third act of the film. It's sort of like, as the conclusion is happening. And it's just, mm. yeah, it kind of took me aback a little bit because I wasn't expecting that from this this seemingly childlike film. Because even the gremlins mm. themselves, the way they're designed, uh, one of my other notes yeah. I had here was that the marketing, this movie just feels like it was made to sell toys, pretty <laughs> much in a way. Because I feel like, you know, you have this little fluffy creature... That would be fun for kids. Yeah. And then when the gremlins turn into these other things, that would be fun toys for yeah. older children. And I had in my yeah. notes, I compared it to like a, the Minions movie, I guess, of that period. Because right. it's like this, there isn't, the story is very light and it's more you're focusing on these creatures doing stuff, you know, being little rascals. You... Yeah. They have a similar yeah. place in pop culture, I think. Um Yeah. Obviously, I don't know how prominent it's going to be later on with Minions. like, But, like, <laughs> you've seen Gremlins in other films, and you, there, yeah. obviously there would have been a lot of Gremlins toys and stuff like that. Um, yeah, speaking of, like, you know, the cute, fluffy character of, of the Gremlins and the main one, uh, Gizmo, who is a mogwai, and then they turn into Gremlins. Um, do you know who voices Gizmo, Matt? I do not. Can I, do you want to guess? Can I give you a clue? Go on, give me a clue. They're a judge on a show. Oh, they're a judge on a show. In America. Is it like... It's, oh, so my guess is some... Oh, in America, because I was going to say The Voice and maybe Tom Jones. No, but, um, no. no. <laughs> that would be cool. I'm a mogwai. That would be so... Yeah, because... No, because I was For thinking anyone. maybe they like... Maybe they changed his voice and it's like a, a little no, cameo no. thing. Oh uh, no, this this person actually like they I guess they had a voice acting stint and for real did this voice. But um God. Howie Mandel from American Idol. Really? Oh my god. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Howie Mandel is the voice of Gizmo. Wow. <laughs> I thought I thought that was a meme because I always heard that like, oh yeah, Howie Mandel is Gizmo. And it was like, no, it's it's real. <laughs> He he voiced Michi. <laughs> yeah, Harry Mandel, um, you know, a judge on American Idol. I did not know that. That's Gizmo. That's a fun fact for me. Thank you. It's, it's the most fun of facts. Uh, it's, it's so weird. It's such an odd thing. Um, but yeah, but yeah, this, this um, film. Um, it is what, like what ten if, minutes of normal plot, and then Gremlins being little shits. Yeah, and it's that's why it doesn't mean I don't enjoy the film. Yeah, because like I I uh, I had someone message me being like, oh, why did you why did you give Gremlins three and a half stars? It was like, don't get me wrong, I love the film. It's such a fun film, but if we just if we're just going by like plot, 
Yeah. It, you know. It's, There's not much. Uh, yeah. And that's why I think it was made to sell toys. And I also have written down here that I think it was kind of, in a way you could see it being representative of that shift in cinema of, you know, more films mm. being commercialized and being, there was a, more of a focus right. on making large and larger and larger profits rather than... Yeah a focus on necessarily storytelling and that was it, it definitely had an influence on like whatever creature films came came to fruition afterwards because it was like you had critters and films like that afterwards yeah um yeah and then yeah like i said it's been ever popular in pop culture also another um, it's in Le- lego lego batman it's in you know yeah on the lego movie also yeah. another thing i was gonna mention was um so i wasn't gonna mention his name but I might as well just because it was a point that he made. So Jack Hockaday, who was a guest on episode two of That's a Rat podcast, Big Up, um, was I was telling him about this film and he told me that Gremlins is supposedly an allegory for communism. Sure. Because uh, and I, I googled it online. There are some. This isn't just Jack being Jack. There are some sources. That, no, no, I know. <laughs> that, that say it, but I couldn't find a reliable one in time. I think there was some stuff on Reddit and other places. Not, okay. not nothing scholarly. Let's say. Um, I always go it, to Reddit for my. It was supposedly research. about because there's even this sort of redneck character who mentions how like oh, oh the, yeah, yeah, the gremlins yeah. in my. My car's breaking down. It yeah. must be the gremlins from the foreign manufacturers. And I guess the gremlins yeah. are a representation of communism taking over and, you know, capitalism winning right. in the end. And that kind of ties into what I was saying earlier about how this film is very much, um, yeah. you know, it's representative I, of I, the commercialism yeah. of the 80s and the capitalism involved there. I'm not too sure, but I wouldn't <laughs> be mad at that interpretation. Yeah, no, I'm, I have no um, idea either. That's what, what I'm quoting, I mean, it it's interesting in what we were talking about before we were recording uh, in that. So we post I posted a um, the Polish film poster for Gremlins on our Instagram page TW Podcast, and uh, it basically during that country's communist era, uh, we, we me and Matt were talking about how film distributors were unable to get hold of the original publicity material from Hollywood, so they had like homegrown artists and graphic designers create uh, posters for for Hollywood films and. The the one for Gremlins is particularly uh, weird, but uh, I don't know where I was going with that point. But it's just it's just interesting <laughs> that you mentioned that, considering how, I mean, I don't know enough about Poland and and the communist era it was in, but mm. yeah, it links into that. Long and short of it, check out Polish film posters. Yeah, it's for Hollywood because they're very they genuinely like pieces of art. Um, they're very w- impressive. W- yeah. W- yeah. What do you think of our boy Jerry Goldsmith? Uh I I like him as a composer, you know, he's one of he's up there with John Williams in terms of sort of notoriety and talent. Um the yeah. score for this but, for this score, yeah. For this film, I wasn't like I said before it's very jaunty, very cheesy music. It doesn't mm. I don't know. I'd, the bits that I noticed, I thought were a bit garish and the bits of music I didn't notice well, I can't speak on them because I didn't notice them. No, you didn't notice <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I'd, it's not his best work, is it? I'd... Okay. Uh, what did, what, what, what I, did you I, think I really like the theme tune. For, oh, okay. For the, I think it's called the Gremlins Rag. It's just yeah. just fun. I mean, it gets come repeated to... a bunch, but like, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, come to think of it, if there's music I didn't notice, that probably means it was good because it tied into the film very naturally. So, in a way, that's a compliment. Um, yeah. Um, 
it's it's a really fun film. It just if you just want to watch gremlins fuck up a town like it's it's the it's the 80s aerobic workout montage that really kills me (laughs) when i watch it because it's just not needed and it just happens but if so yeah gremlins one is very great for that just seeing absolute silliness but i mean i haven't watched this one recently but if you want that kind of in droves gremlins 2 is an experience it's more kooky and less like grounded than than the original like at least gremlins one you have a main character and you 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 deal with their plights and you know the relationship with phoebe cates and uh cory feldman and everything gremlins two goes nah fuck that we're getting with all the gremlins we're getting all of them we're throwing them in new york we're giving them different powers we've got christopher lee you've got hulk hogan 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 it's a manic film and uh, also, if you want a great sketch about it, uh, watch the, the Key and Peele sketch. That's about, what I was going to say. About Gremlins 2. <laughs> That's my only experience with Gremlins 2, because I haven't seen it, but I have seen the, the Key and Peele sketch. It's exactly how that sketch yeah. portrays the film. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to watch Gremlins 2 now, because it's so fun. In a way, I kind of do as well. That's like yeah. a PG. <laughs> but yeah. Because it sounds worse on paper, but in a way, I kind of have respect for the fact that it just abandons plot you know, in in that both films are very very campy, yeah, and very like just balls to the wall, yeah, yeah. Um, also, uh, young Jonathan Banks, yeah, is in Gremlins One. He is indeed. Mike from Breaking Bad. Um, this has been the second time I've had a jump scare by seeing a younger version of him. The first time was with the film Forty Eight Hours, the uh, the Eddie Murphy Nick Nolte film. It's like, oh, what the fuck? What's... I think you, you the, know when you yeah. see older actors and you're just not used to them being young. Yes, I've, <laughs> I had that with a film recently. There's this film that was made in the 1970s called Coma, and that has a bunch oh, that yeah, has yeah. a bunch of actors in it who I'm used to seeing old. So like Ed Harris yeah. is very young in it. Right. Uh, Tom Selleck right. is quite a bit younger. Um, oh, Philip Baker Hall is in it for about three seconds. As a young man, it's crazy. It's like I described it yeah. as like an Easter egg hunt for young old actors. Just oh, right. go watch yeah. it, please. <laughs> it's it's yeah. fascinating. I, I had a similar thing with with Straight Time in that, like Kathy Bates is so young in that film, you barely recognise her as man. Yeah. Um, anyway, Gremlins. <laughs> it's a very fun, kooky film. Very camp. Very just crazy. Um, what one thing I I mean, so. You know how I was wanting a uh, like just a fun Christmas horror film in Black Christmas. I get that mm-hmm. more so with Gremlins, even though it's it's just more uh, pulpy. It's like it's just like a fun, creepy film. One one moment of horror that I like in Gremlins is how they use the "Do you see what I see?" song because I always thought that song sounds creepy in general. Mm. Do you know that? You know that Christmas song. Uh hum a few bars of it do you see what i see do you see what i yeah, see yeah that one yeah no yeah one. yeah i just i just thought that was really effective and i like when christmas horror films do that well um it's not done enough um all right rare exports it was, it was lacking for me <laughs> you, um, second time you mentioned rare exports that's probably the most anyone on the planet has ever talked about that movie <laughs> big up big up big up it's not that um, good not big up <laughs> Part of the medium, medium <laughs> it up. Um, should people see Gremlins? If so, why? 
Yeah, absolutely. It's a bit of carefree, turn your brain off fun. That's mm, what it is. 100%. And it's become... It's the most popcorn film. It's become a cultural icon, so go see it. I felt embarrassed for not having seen it before, so if you're one of those people like me, go see it. It is the most famous one out of our three today, definitely. Yeah, by far, yeah. But, um, I saw it pop up on Gogglebox the other day, which was quite fun. Oh, really? <laughs> It was literally like after I watched the film as well, and then I was watching Gogglebox and they were watching Gremlins. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's a very, very fun 80s, 90s film. I 80s. Know, the year. 80s. One of those 80s film. Um, turn your brain off, you know, crack, out, crack open the mulled wine and watch Gremlins take over the town. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. This has been a chaotic episode in, in how we tried to get it done, but we got through it, and it's our last episode of the year, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and like, like we said earlier, I uh, just want to thank you guys all again for listening to us. Um, the, sticking through the inconsistent uploads, but, you know, the fact that anyone's even listening to us at all, at any time, we highly appreciate. Um, and we're going to have a fun couple of ones uh, next year so keep 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 in tune keep in touch um we hope you guys have a very lovely christmas um whether you watch these films or not uh, yeah are there any other christmas films that you recommend because well, well, i i always just go home alone uh mainly. so i think i told you this a while ago that um my sort of with my family my go-to christmas film for years was the polar express <laughs> We watched it yeah, yeah, for yeah. about 10 consecutive years. It was like our traditional Christmas Eve <laughs> oh, film. Right. Um, yeah, that was, yeah. We watched that a lot. Um, my personal favourite Christmas film might be uh, the Robert Zemeckis A Christmas Carol. Um, I yeah, know it's, yeah. it's, it's got very mixed reviews. It looks very creepy. But, you know, I have memories of seeing it when I was about 10 years old in the cinema and just being in awe of it and being terrified by it in a good way. I think it's it's yeah. my favorite iteration of a Christmas Carol, and um, yeah, I really no. like it. Uh, obviously, there's and It's a Wonderful Life as well, which is very good. I was about, I literally about to yeah. say very quickly, where do you where do you stand with It's a Wonderful Life? It's great. It's probably you know the best Christmas film out there, and it's an amazing, yeah. amazing film. What what about you? Where do you stand with it? I, I yeah, I'm the same. Yeah, I, I love it's, that film. It's great. Um, um, yeah, uh, that's. I think that's pretty much all we all we've got today we we made it in the end we had so many technical difficulties we made it yes but we made it um thank you for coming on this audio journey with me matt i really appreciate it thank you so much um, as well no problem um we've got to say our last couple words of the of the year yes are you ready yeah <laughs> that's a wrap yeah Oh, the weather outside is frightful, <laughs> but the fire is so delightful. Since there's no and place... Since we got a podcast place to go. <laughs> please listen, Snow. please listen, please listen. <laughs> Way. Hey, All right. Let's... <laughs> <laughs>